Most of us were still pretty new at this school thing, like maybe first grade, when our teacher introduced us to a weekly assignment called show and tell. You remember that. So we had to bring in something from home that we thought would be interesting to the class. The teacher, of course, was expecting us to show it to everyone and then explain it as well. Now, you could pretty much count on at least one hamster showing up for show and tell. <laughs> of course, you couldn't just give a speech about your personal rodent. Like, I have this brown furry little animal that lives in a cage. He lives in a cage with sawdust in it. His name is Sniffles, and he has bad teeth. <laughs> no, you couldn't just tell about your hamster. You had to show him. But neither was it acceptable to Mr. Bauman, my first grade teacher, if you just stood in front of the class, held your hamster in your hand for all to see, and said nothing. You couldn't just show your hamster, you had to tell about it. So if you didn't both show and tell, well, you flunked the assignment. God believes in show and tell just as much as Mr. Bauman did. Well, even more. <laughs> Particularly when it comes to our communicating the good news about his son, Jesus. Because God has committed his entire plan of getting the word out to us humans. There's a lot riding on just how well we represent Jesus and deliver his message. The fact is the eternity of people that you care about could very well depend on their verdict about Jesus. And their verdict may very well hinge on you as a living proof of Jesus in their lives. So you cannot just tell the people around you about Jesus. You have to show them Jesus. Show them Jesus in ways that will be attractive to them. You see, most people do not come to believe in Jesus without first believing in a follower of Jesus, which would be you. When the master told us to let your light shine before men and women, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven, well, Jesus was saying it would be the way that we live that interests people in the relationship that we have with our Heavenly Father. They'll want to have what we already have. They'll be curious about what makes us tick. Now, for most of us, the show part is the easy part. We truly try to live for Christ and let Christ live through us. Now, we admit that sometimes we get in the way of others seeing the Christ in us. In other words, we block the world's view of Jesus. But for the most part, Jesus can be seen in our lives and in our lifestyles. It's kind of like this. A mother tells how her daughter used to work for a pizzeria, and mom had the job of picking her up from work every evening. Now, when her daughter would get into, into the car, she'd smell so much like pizza that oftentimes mom would just go back into the store and buy a pizza. <laughs> when we follow Jesus, when we spend time with Jesus and seek to live for him, when his love and grace and forgiveness cover us, then we have Christ's aroma in our lives. His love will spread and shine through us for others to see and breathe in. And when we live like that, our lives become an invitation. And when our lives are an invitation, others will be compelled to seek him and ask questions about our faith. 
Now, specifically, there are some ways that we can be that aroma. First of all, just be there during the bad times. People remember who calls or visits when they're sick. They remember who's at the funeral, who comes to the hospital, who pitches in during an emergency. Nothing opens doors or hearts like sacrificial acts of love. It is, after all, what Jesus did on the cross. Those who love as he did have the greatest opportunity to tell about his love. When you're there for someone that you hope to introduce to Jesus, well, you'll find moments of unique spiritual softness, the kind of moments when you can tell the difference Jesus has made for you. So be there during the bad times. But you can also be there for the good times. It really doesn't take any special giftedness to be at the wedding of your friend or neighbor or to do something special, like for a birthday or another special event or an accomplishment. Just sending a congratulatory text or email or leaving a special note in your friend's locker at school or the cubicle at work. It's a great way to just be there for someone. You see, most people are, are so wrapped up in their own small world that they don't even think about celebrating the good times in the lives of people around them. So when a Jesus follower does rejoice with those who rejoice, well, another bridge is built into a life that needs Jesus so much. Finally, you can just, well, just show real interest in a person just by listening to them. You see, being a Christian witness is not about showing the world that you never sin or make mistakes. It's just not the case. But showing the people God has already put into your life that you care about them. And when they see that you care about them, they can also see that God cares about them so much that he actually died for them. And that's the whole point. <laughs> you know, it's easy to fill up our lives with other believers. I mean, it's comfortable, it's natural, it's enjoyable. It's hard work to build a relationship with someone outside of Christ. Someone with, well, someone with whom we have less and less in common these days. But your relationship with a lost person may be the only road that will take that person to the cross. The lost person probably won't get there by the road marked church or Christian media or evangelist. He or she will get to the cross because he or she was loved there by a friend of Jesus who paid the price to become their friend too. Why not be that friend? Why not be the one God uses to show others the love of Jesus? And that brings us to the tell part. Now I know how frightening the telling part can be. I know how challenging it can be. For some of us, when someone asks us about our faith, well, we suddenly act like we're either in the secret service and we try to keep the good news to ourselves, or we think we're part of the witness protection program and act like we don't have to witness about our faith. So why is that? I know sharing the faith and sharing what we believe can be a challenge. 
I know there's a great fear of rejection and fear of saying something wrong. It seems like we have in the back of our minds that teaching of Jesus about leading someone astray, being like trying to swim with a millstone around our neck, (laughs) which is really hard to do, by the way. (laughs) One of our greatest fears is that people will perceive that we're like Lucy in an old Charlie Brown cartoon. Lucy says to Chuck, I would have made a great evangelist. And Charlie Brown answers, is that so? And Lucy says, yes, I convinced that boy in front of me in school that my religion is better than his religion. And Charlie Brown asks, well, how did you do that? And Lucy answers, I hit him over the head with my lunchbox. (laughs) We don't want to be perceived as those kinds of Christians, do we? So out of fear of rejection, fear of saying something wrong, fear of being labeled, fear of not knowing what to say, well, we don't say anything. We have all kinds of excuses for not sharing, for not telling, and yet not one of them trumps the Great Commission. Jesus said, after all, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. How? By baptizing and teaching, by showing and telling others about Jesus. So the big question, how do we tell others without becoming overbearing? (laughs) I'm glad you asked. I'm going to give you a very simple method to tell your story and bridge that into God's story. Now, there's certainly other ways to do this, but the way that I'm going to teach you is tried and true, and it's worked all over the world for centuries, and it can work for you as well. So, first of all, just tell your story. And yes, everyone, even you, has a story. You don't have to have a dramatic story. You don't have to have a complicated story. You simply just need to be able to tell your story. So, begin with a word that describes your life before you begin seriously following Jesus. Or if you always have, then before God intervened in your life during a difficult time. Or like me, you can simply choose a word that could have described your life if God had not intervened. So pick a word, then write two or three sentences to just describe what happened. And then choose another word to describe how knowing Jesus now makes you feel. Explain that word in two or three sentences, and there you have it, the benefits of being a Christ follower. So here's my story. First of all, a word that describes what my life might have been like if God had not intervened during a difficult time would be anxious. Yeah, when I had cancer 33 years ago, I would have been very anxious if Jesus had not been in my life. I mean, I was about to be married. I had no major medical insurance. The medical bills themselves would end up costing hundreds of thousands of dollars. It was just overwhelming. But Jesus gave me peace. I was not concerned if I died because I had the assurance Jesus would take me to heaven where there was no sickness, no worry, no pain, no cancer, no bills. And if I lived, I knew he would take care of me and my new wife, and all the bills 
would get paid. He did, and they did, and I had peace. That's it. You see, no one can refute my story because it's my story. It actually happened, and my feelings are my feelings. And most people can relate, even unbelievers or non-followers of Jesus. You don't have to have cancer or insurmountable medical bills to feel anxiety in life. Everyone does at one point or another, and everyone wants peace. Well, no one can refute your story either, because it's your story. It happened, and your feelings are your feelings. And people will relate, because they will have similar feelings, and you build a relationship with the person you share it with. And they'll care about your story, because you have first cared about them. Well, now for the second part, God's story. We call this the bridge, and it works like this. You simply ask, would you like to have that same peace I had so many years ago? Most people will say yes. Then you say, well, let me share how you can have that same peace and eternal life. In the book of Romans, chapter 6, verse 23, it says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. People are separated from God because of sin. It's as if we were on one side and God was on the other side of a great canyon. You can just get out a piece of paper and draw the lines to indicate a great canyon between God and humans. Then draw a stick figure on one side and write God on the other. What separates us from God is our sin. People have tried many ways to bridge that gap between themselves and God. They've tried good deeds, philosophy, even religion. But all of our efforts to bridge the gap fall short. Now, the Bible says that what we have earned, or wages, for being a sinner, sin, is death. Then as you say it, just write wages and sin and death under the stick figure. This verse goes on to say that a gift has been provided by God, and this gift is eternal life. So on one side of the canyon, we have wages and sin and death. And on the other side of the canyon, we have gift in God and eternal life. And so you just write on God's side, gift, God, and EL for eternal life. Then ask the question, which side of the canyon would you like to be? Well, this is where the bridge comes in. Jesus Christ is the bridge that God provided to give us the gift of eternal life. Through Jesus and his death on the cross to pay for our sins, we can cross over the canyon and no longer be separated from God. So you just draw an arch bridge over the canyon, then draw the cross between the two sides of that canyon. God provided the gift of eternal life in Jesus Christ. In order to cross over to God's side of the canyon, well, we must go through him. He is the bridge. So you just write the word Jesus above the canyon and draw an arrow through it to show that he is the way. To cross over a canyon on a bridge, you'd have to trust the bridge to hold you, right? Well, in the same way, in order to cross over to God, 
you must trust that Jesus Christ will be able to provide the way to eternal life. And then ask this question. Do you trust in Jesus as your bridge to eternal life and believe that he died and rose again for your forgiveness and salvation? If they say yes, then assure them that God has worked a miracle in their heart and they have the promised God of eternal life. And then lead them in a confession of their faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Sound daunting? Too difficult? Not something you can do? (laughs) No worries. You see, my job over this next year is to prepare you to show Jesus to others. And your job is simply to respond to the opportunities that God will give you to tell your story. So God's story of love for your friends and neighbors can come shining through. I truly believe that if we serve Christ and if we live for Christ, then that pleasing aroma of grace and the light of Christ will shine through us and people will ask us about our faith. And when they do, you'll be ready. Now, I don't expect you to go out to lunch today and grab the waiter or waitress and start working them over, (laughs) trying to get them to become a Christian or go to church. But the next time someone brings up questions about the faith, well, you'll have an outline by by which you can tell them your story and God's story. Now, like anything else, the more you do it, the better you'll be. So practice on a good Christian friend who's not going to judge you. And don't worry about how polished your story is. God can use you in your story to tell his story of love and forgiveness. And my friends, that can make an eternal difference in the lives of others. May God grant it through you for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen.